just thinking about like the Scorsese universe, like, and you brought this up because I'm watching <coughs> Jimmy Hoffa's wife. And I'm thinking, who the fuck is this woman? I know this woman. Who is this? This is driving me crazy. I couldn't place her. And then we were talking a couple days ago and you said, I don't know how you started the sentence, but you said, well, if you remember Goodfellas or something like that. And I went, oh I my God. Said, no, what I said was, I said, she's the babysitter. Right, that's and what it was. And you instantly went to, oh my God, yeah. Welker White is her name. She was the babysitter in Goodfellas, the coke mule in Goodfellas. Yeah. Went, oh my God. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Literate Apecast is a production of LiterateApe.com, and the apes would like to advise you that inappropriate language and themes may follow. If you are easily triggered, best to go listen to a public radio podcast. All right, so how many times have you watched The Irishman now? I've only seen it the one time. Aha! I have seen it 1.75 times. Uh, yeah, All right. yeah, so almost two. Almost two times. It's longer the second time around. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's a slower, it's a slower fucking movie. It is I a mean, slower movie. Ta- yeah, he's really taking his time. Uh, you know, it's one of the things where I think, uh, as much as Scorsese, you know, pisses and moans about Netflix, and Spielberg pisses and moans about Netflix, if he had made just a regular film to be released, it would not have been a, a three-hour and twenty-nine minute movie. There's no way it would have been three hour twenty nine, mainly because I, I don't the know. Econo- well, the economics don't play out. You can't put a three and a half hour movie in a movie theater and expect any movie theater to to make money on it. Well, I mean, Avengers Endgame did it with three. Yeah, but Avengers Endgame was was the culmination of twenty two movies, and it was much and faster a, than and than it this has one a rabid yeah. fucking fan base. Yeah. So I mean, so, I'm sorry, Robert yeah, this De Niro would not have played Al Pacino, out. Yeah. Your your fan base is not the rabid Marvel fan base. No. They knew, and, and quite frankly, the the economics when it comes to movie theaters is very different in China, and China is the big market. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Irishman's not playing like Matt. Matt you know, so Netflix was a great thing, but I also think it allowed Scorsese to indulge himself. And I think at times it it really plays well, especially in. And by the way, listener, spoilers just. From oh the start. yeah, Spoilers. yeah, yeah. We're, the if best you, if, part yeah. of the of where Scorsese really stretches it out, I think, for me, yeah. is in the the scene right before Hoffa gets killed, where they pick him up in the oh, car, yeah. or where they go to get him in the car and then pick him up, like yeah. all the conversations, and it's just because what what I found happening, especially on the second watching, was my heart is racing. You know what's in coming. the way that I imagine Frank Sheeran's was racing. Like I'm gonna have to fucking kill this guy in in another in another turn you know as a car yeah. another corner another block well it's like oh god it's coming it's coming about that you know? scene what i what i think is masterful about that what i really liked was because it does take it is is pacino who i think is fucking brilliant this is in I, this film i think this is his best role it's his i've he's just perfect like in every mm-hmm. scene in every interaction it's like God damn, he was good. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting about that lead up, because I the thing is, I didn't know if Sheeran was claiming to kill him. I didn't read the book, so okay. I didn't, and I, and I did no research. I just wanted to see the movie. Yeah. So I didn't know if Sheeran killed him or if he was killed by somebody else or if they were even going to show him get killed. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's still not solved. 
So I didn't know what was going on, but what I thought was really interesting about that scene is they're in the car, they're sitting there, his son is driving his the car. His stepson, apparently. Or stepson. Yeah. He's driving the yeah. car. Mm-hmm. You got one of the, you know, capos of another. Sally you know, Bugs. And then sh- yeah, and then sh- Sheeran's in the back seat, and it's, we got to get him in the car. Mm-hmm. And he's been waiting 30 minutes, and we've already established in the film that Hoffa fucking doesn't like anybody being fucking late, like in a big fucking Half the mania. conversation in the car ride is about, like, why didn't you yeah. send somebody? Come on. You yeah. know what? Yeah. And so, but, but when he's just standing outside the back seat of the car, that interaction takes far longer than sort of economical storytelling would say. It's like, you know he's going to get in the car, but... The, the Pacino's head is hesitancy, and there's a moment I and I can't get it out of my head where he's literally staring at De Niro mm-hmm. for like for like thirty seconds of screen time of just like I haven't decided if this is going to go well or not. Yeah, and then there's a cutaway to De Niro, and De Niro just shakes. It's his, good. He just. It's good. He, well, he didn't even say it's good. He just shakes. He just nods at it. And so then Pacino gets in the car. Mm-hmm. So you got all this, you know, and then this long ass car ride where they're talking. It's like, why didn't you send somebody? Why didn't you call? Why didn't you do all this kind of stuff? Why did you put fish then, in here, Chucky? Don't ever put fish yeah, in your car. You'll never get thing, smell out. Yeah, all this just nonsense, just like the way they go. And then they walk up to the the thing, and then the speed. They walk in the house. The door is shut. Pacino sees that there's nobody in the house. Instantly turns around and says, "We got to get out of here." And as he walks to the door, the gun comes out. Bam, bam, down. That's it. That fast. What's interesting like, about that scene, too? Fuck. What's fuck? That's crazy. What's fun in that that little? It's in an Easter egg kind of way. Is that it's re- it's reminiscent of the scene in Goodfellas when oh, Joe yeah. Pesci's character gets whacked. He's going to this yeah. house to expect to be made. He walks in. He sees nobody there. He looks around. He goes, "Oh,", oh. and then. Bam! Bam yeah. in the head. Well, you know. You know, the, and that's one of the things you and I talked about. What I thought was really interesting about this film is, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, is it's it's the final chapter in a triptych. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Because Goodfellas, Casino, and Irishman are all set in basically the same time period. And they're essentially this not the same movie, like 50, but the the narrative 50s, structure yeah. is the exact fifties through eighties. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and Goodfellas is a young man's movie. It's about a young man. Coming up and, and and you know and you know Henry Henry Hill you know I mean it's yeah. a young man's story. Um, Casino is a middle aged man's story. Yep. Eighth Rothstein was middle aged yep. when he's you know put in that situation, and the Irishman is an old man's story. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I, and I thought that was and and consequently, if you watch those three movies, Casino is fucking jump cuts and fast-paced and the narration is really energetic and yeah. the music really pumps it. I mean, it's fast. It's a, it's a longer movie, but it's fast, mm-hmm. right? Casino takes a little bit more time. You're so, oh, and good, what it Goodfellas is, is... Yeah, Goodfellas yeah, 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 yeah. Is, is fast, mm-hmm. just like a young man's story, especially yep. in that third act of that movie where it's all sort of like... With the, the helicopters the and the yeah, the car film and, yeah. that he uses where everybody looks like shit and yeah. it's like hyper hyper realistic uh, colors, saturated colors, boom. So then you go to Casino. Casino is interesting in that it is some really slow stuff, 
punctuated by hyper like every time she, like Sharon Stone's character is like really low grade and then every once in a while in the movie she just explodes with energy yeah whatever it happens to be same thing with with Nikki you know with uh, Joe Pesci doesn't say the violence like he's just, yeah he's very he's very yeah. low-key and there's these whole scenes where they're just having some conversations and that's all they're doing and then all of a sudden bam yeah so that's middle-aged and Irishman is really slow mm-hmm. and even the violence is almost lethargic uh, th- yeah making it more realistic and yeah no the thing painful. is nobody nobody and, and that's one of the things that think is interesting is the only time i can think of in the irishman where somebody really just balls out yells right is just mm-hmm. yelling because, you know, it's like that anger and that, you know, that, that you associate with all these characters and Goodfellas mm-hmm. and all the, I mean, fucking like uh, Karen, when he stands her up in Goodfellas, yeah. when she shows up and he's just fucking dressing him down in the street, just this high emotional rage, right? Yeah. None of, none of that in Irishman, except for when Jimmy Hoffa is trying to explain it and he loses his train of thought. He can't get the words out. He's so angry. Yeah. Every other conversation in The Irishman is well, really low-key. Even when they're angry, the only, it's really low-key. It's it's only Hoffa. It's only Hoffa. And yeah. and, and uh, um, Tony Pro. They yeah, go, when they go she, at it in the jail, and then when they go at it again in Miami. Yeah, yeah. yeah or in yeah, Florida, that, wherever the hell they were. Yeah, yeah that, well, that yes, one it's fight, a Hoffa thing. Yeah. That one fight. But even that one fight is sort of low-key, low-key, mm-hmm. low-key, low-key explosion and the explosion is two old men grappling around on the fucking floor yeah yeah i mean you know what i mean it's like it's so it it, i think that and i it's it this is this is not a a trilogy of course and you know goodfellas casino and see i but i actually think it is a trilogy well yeah i was gonna say it's a trilogy is that if you you it's really easy to look at it as a trilogy of the mob story in the middle yeah. 20th century. And yeah. if you look at it that way, yeah, that's it's 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 a, master it's, class. it's masterclass. So here's the question well, then. Which movie in this trilogy is your favorite? And then we'll go back into The Irishman because I we, we need to there's some issues that I have with it on upon my oh, second yeah, I've got viewing. Oh, yeah, some issues but, too. But, but yeah, so well, you know, if you had to pick a favorite. Well, this is what I love about I think it's better this. than The Godfather by the way. The Godfather trilogy, I think, I think this as I a trilogy is better was, than The Godfather. Yeah, I think when, well, the thing about it is I think, uh, I don't think anything, I don't think there is a mob movie ever made that's better than Godfather 2, period. However, the flaw is Godfather Part 3. It's such which a, we could, I mean. Well, but, and we could get into why. Uh, I mean, I have my theory. Everybody's got their theories need, why. It, we know why. My big theory. <laughs> it my, well, see, this thing is my, my big theory <laughs> it has is Godfather plenty of reasons Part for everybody. 3. See, to me, the big reason Godfather Part Three is bad is that they they completely subvert and deny the character of uh, Michael Corleone. Because if you watch him, Michael Corleone in the first two movies only says things when it's absolutely necessary. For the most part, he's very quiet Mm -hmm. and he chooses his words very carefully. And Godfather Part Three is just Al Pacino pissing and moaning and groaning about killing his brother for an entire fucking movie. He just won't stop talking. And it's like, that's not the character you created. Or did his brother, did did killing his brother change him 
into that character. Well, then I mean, you need, then you need to see that snap in that whatever. We don't get I'm, I'm with it. But, yeah, but, but yes. I think I think when I, I this the thing I think is interesting is right now of the three movies, my favorite movie is Casino. Now, it, you could argue you could argue it's because I live in Las Vegas now mm-hmm. and I am a casino manager now, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, but I think it's more deep than that. I think it's because I'm 53. Because I think it's if not I a- were thirty, I think if I were thirty, I would I would think Goodfellas. Because I think Goodfellas is one of the best movies ever made. It's brilliant. I'm yeah. I'm 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 curious to see that when I'm seventy, if I don't think The Irishman is my favorite. So my favorite has always been Casino, and I think it's because uh, the Vegas thing, the Vegas thing. Because one. Yeah. Uh, and I write about this in in my book, The Last DJ, that mm-hmm. the first ra- radio station location when I was working out there was the it's, it was an old bank, and the yeah. bank at the time it was a bank at the time of the filming of Casino, and they used that as the exterior for Sharon Stone's bank, where she goes and gets bank, her jewels yeah. and all that. So there's, yeah. I'm ninety eight percent certain that when I was first looking at houses out there, I looked at one of the houses on the golf course at the the DI golf course that. Where the plane lands, you know, yeah, where, yeah, where, where De Niro, lands, yeah. where um, Ace Rothstein is living. So yeah. there's a, and I know all the area, like, so there's a lot of connections. And I, I dined at the restaurant with, that um, Nikki Spilatro owned. Nice. At the time when I was living there, the fucking mayor, Oscar Goodman, who plays Oscar Goodman, the uh, mob attorney. So there's just a lot of, um, you know, Vegas connection that I understood. So yeah. I think that that's a big part of it. Um I w- used to work with a guy who grew up in Oak Park with the Spilatros, um, with all those guys from, you know, Casino and Goodfellas. Yeah. And down the street from Sam Giancana, where Sam Giancana got whacked in his own house. His favorite was Goodfellas because just the same as Casino is with mine, like that, it, he's he like, there, I know this. I know these people. I know those yeah. places. I know, you know, I mean, they yeah. didn't, and maybe Goodfellas took place in New York, but... Um, yeah, but then, yeah, maybe. Well, I, mean, I, I think there's some proximity. Yeah, because it's the proximity like said, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The That's proximity it. of it is it's it's why it's why I continually like movies set in and filmed in Chicago. Because like you know when I, it's like I don't think High Fidelity is the greatest movie I ever saw. I don't even think it's the greatest Nick Hornsby movie I ever saw. It's a but, it's a fun fucking movie. I love that. It's movie. a fun movie. Yeah. yeah, it's not the greatest movie, but what I really love about that movie is I know those streets yeah. and I know those fucking stores and I know those people. I live down and the street like, from those stores. Yeah, exactly. Totally. That's yep. what I'm saying. It's and like I, know those I people, live yeah. there. So it's like there's something really uh, appealing about that on some level. I can't help um, it every time I walk, you know, down Milwaukee and Honoray, past where the store, the exterior yeah. for the store was. You know, it's got, there's a net, a natural foods or a nature foods, whatever the hell it is on yeah, the corner there now. And now it, it's, I think it's a Garfield's liquor store in the other corner. And it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, just kind yeah. of cringe, like so, oh, the gentrification of everything. Yeah. So that, cause well, one of the things I loved about the Irishman and it, and that's what I think is the most interesting thing is cause you know, I'm, like everybody else in America, there's there, I, my obsession uh, with the mob. Sure is fueled by pop culture and I'm, you know, but like when I'm watching, yeah. when I, when, you know, when they go through, when they go through in the Irishman and they're talking <laughs> about, you know, uh, propping up JFK so that he will get rid of Castro so they can get back to Havana and get all their stuff back. My You brain, know what I'm talking about? Fucking yeah. Cuba. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 when I hear that, where I go in my brain is to Godfather Part Two with Meyer Lansky. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 almost like they're all the same movie, even though they're different directors that made them. When they're talking about uh oh shit, what's the character's name from New Jersey? The the guy that uh Hoffa hates, like really hates. Uh, Tony Pro. Tony Pro. Yeah. Tony Pro's from New Jersey. Yeah. So all I'm thinking about is Tony Pro is I'm thinking about the Sopranos. Right, and he does he does have that very New Jersey mob. I mean, yeah. he sounds like uh, Tony so Soprano. <laughs> so when I'm watching him, I'm connecting my experience watching fucking 800 seasons of goddamn Sopranos, yeah. and that's connected. And I can see Polly Walnuts in my head who knows him and their buddies. Yeah. And it's like, it's all kind of this bizarre connection yeah. um, to this whole concept of mob and you know it's it's one of the things all right actually let's take a break and then i'm going to talk to you about uh sort of the idea of like these huge cultural uh connecting like stories that connect in many different ways yeah yep hey i'm josh bell i'm jason harris hey josh we're friends in real life but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called awesome movie year where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well at Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesomemovieyear.com. So please like us, subscribe. And uh, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating because we love you. So one of the things that I, I thought was fascinating, and it's been something I've been, I, part of it is because it connects to something else I've been doing because Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker is coming out May. December 20th. Yay, I, can't wait. No, well, see, you're, you're not excited, but that's the thing. I was 11 years old in 1977, and I watched Star Wars, which is now A New Hope. I watched Star Wars 25 fucking times. Great movie. In the, in the theater... Where I had to pay every time. There was no VHS. Right. There was no cable. Three fucking channels. That's it. There wasn't even Fox News then. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I was. I mean, there was no Fox. It, it's a very, wow. Fox has been around forever. No, it was ABC, CBS, and NBC. That was it. And there wasn't even public access. Right. And so the only way I got to see that movie, so I went to the theater every fucking day for a month. And I did. So Star Wars is a big deal. So what I've been doing... In in preparation for this final chapter, because and and they, they've kind of set themselves up for failure. Because how can you possibly encapsulate really my lifetime into one movie? But I, I don't give a shit. Well, about the that. quick what thing I, is, the quick thing is, is that the story was done in Jedi. The story is about Vader. Mm -mm. When Vader died, the story was this over. Is, no, this this is the thing. I don't, and that's what I think is really interesting. Is because. Luke has always had nine films in mind. They're retconning always. everything. I don't. Anyway, we, we'll no, talk no, about he's, Star he's always. But this is the thing I think is fascinating because I I went ahead and said, all right, I haven't watched these prequels in a long time, mm -hmm. and I haven't watched them in the context of Rogue One and Solo and you know all the other side things. I've been watching Mandalorian, mm -hmm. you know, and the things that I've noticed first of all is I, I can't watch Attack of the Clones. I can't. 
It's yeah. It, it, well, the information. I mean, it's fine. You know, I anything with fucking Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman in it in the same scene, I can't watch. It's so fucking bad because she's actually pretty good I in know. the Phantom Menace. Yeah, but man, once he shows up and they're, it's the most wooden, horrible dialogue. It's just, it's the worst. So I can't watch that. Scene. I blame Lucas for that. Oh, it's all Lucas's yeah. fault. But yeah. Phantom Menace is better than I remembered it. Okay. And, you know, everybody pisses and moans about Jar Jar Binks. He's only on screen about 20 minutes of the whole fucking movie. Yeah. It, 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 way less than I thought, than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I remembered, boom. Jake Lloyd is a kid. He sucks, but he's a kid, so what do you expect? He's fine. Yeah, eh, whatever. You know, it's not that bad. And, you know, and it's there, there's a lot of things that are positive. And it's like, okay, I enjoyed Phantom Menace. Um, I kind of skipped over Attack of the Clones. Because I, I, there's so much of the Padme... Anakin yeah. love story that I just can't do it. I just can't. However, I then went watched uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. which is a much better movie than I. You know, I think in it's my good. Mind, yeah, the darkness yeah, of it my, makes makes up for the yeah. shitty dialogue and the yeah yeah yeah. It's so I I enjoyed that, and also that that film has more resonance if you've watched Clone Wars mm-hmm. because a lot of the characters that you see in Revenge of the Sith. You've got backstory from Clone Wars, right? You know, Grievous and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Then I watched Rogue One, and because that's sort of, in, in, I'm watching it chronological right, yep. rather yep. than yeah. And uh, and I and I was like, all right. And just recently, just the other night, I watched A New Hope, um, and this is the first time I've watched it in a really long time. And what was really interesting to me, and I, unlike everybody else that hated Return of the Jedi. I loved it. Or, 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 or yeah, yeah the, the, the Last Jedi, The Last Jedi, the the, the Ryan Johnson oh, one. Oh, yeah. Eight. Yeah. As everybody hated that. Here's the thing, and this is the thing that I hadn't thought of, and it, and it caught me fucking off guard, because you got to remember, I've seen Star Wars A New Hope a billion times. I mean, I've seen it more than probably most movies I can say I've seen other than maybe Rocky. Right. And all of a sudden, that shot in the very beginning of the fucking film where Luke is standing on Tatooine, staring off at the double sun- sunset. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I fucking burst into tears because <laughs> all I'm thinking about is Luke in The Last Jedi and how bitter and scared yeah. and yeah. over it all he is and all the choices you know it's like here's this shot this beautiful like vista of this sunset this double sun sunset of this kid looking forward and so with no reluctance wanting to be on an adventure and wanting to live this adventure Contrasted with my my now knowing, you know, this like this life of this character, this burnt out Gen X guy who's <laughs> fucked up. That all of all of his adventures have turned in some way in his mind to this horrible place. Yeah, and and sort of the intersection of that, I you know, because I never saw the Last Jedi, so that never occurred to me. And when I saw that, I did. I just burst into fucking tears. It was just the saddest goddamn thing I can think of. And I went. This is an interesting thing, and this is how it relates to, I think, uh, sort of the Scorsese, Coppola, Sopranos kind of thing, is there's something quite uh, remarkable. There's two things that I, I think are interesting. Number one, something really remarkable about creating 
this world building that creates this bigger picture that the more of those pieces you get, the more complete it becomes and the more fun. It is, I mean, mm. you know, sort of like the most obvious version is the Marvel Universe in that there are 22 films that all connect in some way and have been placed in different pieces. So it's really clean that way. Star Wars is less clean. They've had to retrofit some of the ideas, but it doesn't take away from the essential characters, just depending on how you how you want to see those characters grow. Um, Scorsese and Coppola and these mob movies of the Italian mob in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s all intersect not quite as cleanly, you know, as the Marvel universe or even the Star Wars universe. Right. But in a way that binds them. It's like I said, I'm watching I'm watching The Irishman and it's almost like this nostalgia trip as they're taking their time and it might be because he takes so much time, but as they're taking their time in these mini scenes, like the, I I love the fact that it's like they pull up, they're on the road trip, they see the Stuckies. Yeah. Hey. And they go, you remember that time, and then they go back in time, and you yeah. see them meet. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost like there were moments in The Irishman where they would say something, or they'd have a conversation, or there'd be a moment. I mean, like, you know, Keitel's not really in the movie very much, doesn't have a whole lot to say. Right. But the minute I saw Keitel, the minute I saw him in the film, they showed him in the film, and he's there, and there's De Niro, all I could think about was Mean Streets. Mm-hmm. Because Mean yeah. Streets was De Niro and Keitel's very first movie, Italian Kids, Street Toughs. And I went, all of this shit is connecting in ways that I had not expected. And and quite frankly... In the cinematic again, world and in the real world. In the real as world, As well as yeah. in just Scorsese's, and, in Scorsese's yeah, and, world. And it's something that... Uh, and this isn't a knock on Gen Z or even millennials, but it's, it's, it is just sort of like a... a, a I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. Is it's sort of like a, uh, a, a like a recognition mm-hmm. that that's what truly aging is all about yeah. is seeing those connecting parts of life in ways that may or may not have been intentional. Probably weren't. Probably most were accidental. You know, it's not like it's not like when uh, it's not like when Coppola was making Godfather Part Two, and he'd set that whole fucking thing in Cuba, and you get to see the casinos and the opulence, and then get and then them get fucking ousted by the government. They're gone. There was no way he thought that then, forty years later, Scorsese would make a reference to that, and and that those two things would connect, and yet they do. Because of the lived experience of, 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 you know, I saw Godfather Part Two. It, I've seen it many times. That lives with me. But there's, I, I could not have anticipated it at all that when they're talking about the JFK thing and the casinos and going back to Cuba and getting Castro, that I would suddenly have this moment of connection between these two things. Are films made forty years apart? And it's like, yeah. I think that's maybe one of the benefits of it. I, I hope aging well is to be able to make those connections and see how those connections are put together. Yeah, that's. I, I got a kick out of seeing, just thinking about like the Scorsese universe. Like, and you brought this up because I'm watching <coughs> Jimmy Hoffa's wife, and I'm thinking, who the fuck is this woman? I know this woman. Who is this? This is driving me crazy. I couldn't place her. And then we were talking a couple days ago. And you said, I don't know how you started the sentence, but you said, 
Well, if you remember Goodfellas or something like that, and I went, oh I my God. Said, no, what I said was, I said, she's the babysitter. Right, that's and what it was. And you instantly went to, oh my God, yeah. Welker White is her name. She was the babysitter in Goodfellas, the Coke mule in Goodfellas. Yeah. I went, oh my God. So there was that. Then there was like the fun thing, like I mentioned earlier about where Hoffa walks into the house, sees nobody, and he's going to get wet. Same thing as Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Um, I also got a little kick out of Joe Pesci talking about when when they were doing the, the Bay of Pigs thing, and he has Frank yeah. do some gun running. Yeah. And he says, you're going to meet a fairy named Fairy. Well, yeah. Joe Pesci played Dave Fairy in yeah. JFK, which, in JFK, I mean, that's not a scurcy, exactly. but I was just like, ah, like there's just... Because of the because of the subject matter, there's a lot of ways that it's all connected. So that's it's, it, that does add a lot of fun to this ultimately really sad movie. It's a really oh, it's sad, a very sad movie. movie. It's very sad. It's, it's not fun. Like guy. Goodfellas has a bad ending. Casino kind of has a bad or sad ending. Um, like there's no winner, right? You know, there's no nobody well, both, wins. That thing is, all three movies are basically about the fall of a dynasty, right? But they don't. And, but the and, first and, two, and it's arguable. The, it's it's arguable to say that it's a connector to <laughs> the Roman Empire because they're all Italian, yeah. And it is it is it's the fall of a secondary sort of a Westernized American uh, Roman Empire because that's really what the mob was. It was sort of a Roman Empire right. here, right at home, and. It all fell apart in the 80s. But those other so, two, those previous two yeah. films, they don't feel sad. Like, Goodfellas is still a fun time. Casino is still kind of fun, well, you know. This is not the thing is, fun. This is really well, they're sad. they're all three voiceover movies. They're all nostalgia movies. Yeah. They're all yeah. unreliable narrators. Yeah. All of them are unreliable narrators. They're all rats, <clears throat> and they're all shitheads. And, you know, you never know what they're bragging about or not bragging about. But... So they all have that in common, but the difference is, again, Goodfellas is a recollection of a still young man. This is my experience. He's still young. His life is not even close to over. So right. he can. So what do you? Yeah, he, he blew it pretty Goodfellas, quickly. Yeah, it, it's so you get to the end of, into Goodfellas is like a thirty-five a, a year old guy saying, yeah. "Yeah, and now the spaghetti is just ketchup." Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I'm out here in fucking Scottsdale, Arizona, or wherever. So you got that. Okay, then you have exactly the same format, but now with Ace Rothstein, who's in San Diego, and, as, and it's like okay, like a so horse it track, all fell you know? out, yeah. all the you know, and you see the falling of the of the sands and all this kind of stuff, the destruction, and it's like okay, it all changed the big operatic music, but this was my recollection of this slice in time when I was in my fifties, right. And I was on top of things. Yeah. But they still keep him around. And the last shot you see in, in Casino is him as an old man still working book. But yeah. that's not what that's not what you're left with. What you're left with is the shot of him escaping his blowing up car. Yeah. And talking about how that was the beginning of the end. And that's how the movie ends. This one, the end is the guy's <clears throat> gonna die. The guy, you know, I mean, it's yeah. like the Irishman. He's sitting in a fucking old folks' home, and he's—they're all so fucking old. Yeah, and that, he's the last is, one. Yeah, so, the nostalgia is different. It's so, and it's got a really—I don't think it's sadder. I don't think it's less sad. I just think it's more. Well, when I say sad, I mean it's sad. Resigned. It's sad in the in how heartbroken Frank Sheeran is that he has to kill his. Best friend, you know the conversation. Like you can just see how busted up he is over when he's talking about it with Russell Joe Pesci's yeah. character. You can see, I mean, the call to 
uh, Joe Hoffa, played by Welker White, yeah. you know, is it's heart wrenching. Yeah, it's fucking heart wrenching. I mean, I'm just well, talking, talking about like I'm almost kind of welling up because it's you, like, oh, you God. don't see De Niro. You don't see De Niro play a character who who. That's what was it, it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Because I, while it's happening, I'm like he couldn't get words out. There were just nothing he could say. And all the cameras doing, you never see Joe on the phone. Nope. It's just watching him not really not a, say anything. Yeah. He says almost nothing in that phone call. And but it's just him staring you know, off, just slightly off left of the camera on the phone, not knowing how to handle this conversation. And it's just agonizing it's yeah. just an agonizingly long i mean they could have accomplished because you know how bad he feels about it yeah it's an agonizingly long scene yeah because scorsese and wanted it to be an agonizingly long scene that's yeah. the brilliance of the movie is scorsese's ability to let the, to stretch the things out not yeah. not overstretched but just right no, let it breathe in it in a way that an old man would want to breathe yeah, yeah so you, you had so some here's with here's film. my issue with it and you you mentioned a moment ago about the the questionable narrators or the unreliable narrators yeah so we know that this is based off a book i heard you paint houses which was written by, i can't remember the guy's name right now but he was frank sheeran's lawyer yeah and after sheeran died in 2003 Grand. charles Brandt, I Grand? think. Brandt? Brandt. Maybe it's Brandt. Yeah, I could probably look right. it up on the internet. We could look it up, me, but whatever. we're fucking lazy assholes. Show notes. Um, well, since the book came out in 2003 or four, when, you know, shortly after uh, Sheeran's death, <clears throat> long after every other of these fucking mob guys had died, like he was the last yeah, one. Yeah, he was the last man standing, so to speak. There's been, um, people have come out and been like, nope, he's full of shit. He, this is not true. Da-da-da-da. And here's the thing. I don't give a shit whether Sheeran is telling the truth or not. I don't care how true this movie is. I yeah, don't. It doesn't matter a, to me. Well, it's not it about, matter. that's the thing. It's, it's not about factual truth. None of these movies no. is about factual truth. It is about this lifestyle. They're all about a lifestyle. And they're all based that on. That all of these people lived. Th- they're all based on real people. Like Goodfellas oh, yeah, and Casino, they, all of you them know, happen. they, it's, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's loose fiction. Based on real people, it is loose. Yeah, this one is the most true to the to the the, the happening truth because they don't change names. Yeah, I don't think Straight they composite. Up. They make composites of people to save time. Yep. yep. So that said, here's where I get into some issues with the story. All right. Um. Upon second viewing, I don't like the movie as much. Okay. Um. So you know, there, there's times when they when they introduce characters and they do a quick freeze frame and they put the text up there that says, "I love that." That was great. Here's the thing. So I'm looking. I'm like, All right, who are these guys? Five times in his face in 1981. It's like that shit is. I thought that was just masterful and subtle, but yeah, weird. Yeah, great. I liked it. Yeah. Um, or there was the one was like, you know, I can't remember the guy's name. But, you know, Don Don Old Shoe or Don Day Old Shoes Hall. Liked yeah. by everybody. Died comfortably at the age of 85 in his bed. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it was only one guy that died in his bed. All the rest of them were like fucking shot in yeah. the face or shot in the back of the head. Only one guy died. Well, naturally. Fat, fat Tony dies of prostate cancer in prison. Yeah. 
Um, well, and yeah, Joe Kennedy in prison. Joe Kennedy dies. Yeah, and, and, you know, but, but, yeah. but they're you know whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so like. So some of these guys would pop up and I would, I would jump on my phone and be like, all right, who was, let's, I want to know more about this guy. Cause they were so quick, you know, like what was the involvement? So Alan Dorfman, he was the insurance guy, the, the kid. Yeah. They say he was shot eight times in the head in 1979, but he was actually killed in 1983. Oh, that's So weird. now I go, well, why, why change that? That's just say 1983. What? Then... They talk about uh, Salvatore Bigbuglio, uh, uh, Bug Eyes, or Sally yeah. Bugs, rather. Sally Bugs. They say he was shot three times in the face in 1979, but he was actually shot in 1978. So it's like, these little, like it's not a big deal, but like why? Which made, made me start thinking that there's some, the script is a little sloppy. Here's another example. Joe Gallo, Crazy Joe. Um, played yeah. by... Uh, uh, I don't know who that actor uh, was, God, the, I the comedian, I hang was, on. I thought he was fucking great. He is great. Um, he was really good in this movie. God, what's the actor's... Uh, S- Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah. Maniscalco, yeah. I think that's how you yeah, say it. He's, he's a comedian. Um, yeah. So he was killed in 1972 on his 43rd birthday. Okay. Now, as they're setting up the murder scene... Uh, they show us a, 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 a like they do a, a pan a pan of of New York City skyline, and they show the Twin Towers. They show the World Trade Center. Okay, Wasn't World there. Trade Center was not completed until 1973. Yeah, why show it? It's not that like. Okay, now this is what I will say, and and and, and I. And I if get you're gonna it. say it's a Scorsese love letter to New York, go fuck yourself. No, no, that's not what I'm gonna say. What I'm gonna say is is that there there are two interpretations that you can go with on that. Is that it's sloppy, or you can say, wow, that is so consistently sloppy that it's a choice. And if it's a choice, what is the point of the choice? And I think okay. It's the unreliability of the narrative because the fact is, there's too many people that say Sheeran was full of shit. There are a lot of people that say this guy's making this shit up. Hmm. So maybe this was Scorsese's way, in subtle ways, of saying what you're seeing and what you're being told might be bullshit, and here are the clues to it. Uh, you know, and, I, and I'd like no, no, to believe... There's I'd no, like to believe that Scorsese is a good enough filmmaker, he's a smart right? enough filmmaker, and he's, his speci- he's not David Fincher specific, but he's still fucking specific. Yeah. You know, that, that for that many errors to have occurred... There was, and there was one other in, in the Gallo thing, is that when the news report the next day or whatever it was, so it was on his 43rd birthday... The news report is saying, they either say celebrating his 42nd or 47th. I couldn't make it out. But like, what? Yeah. So I think that your answer, like, maybe it's a choice to, you know, to support kind of the, the unreliable of, narrative. Yeah, but Which is, of, that's maybe a this is really, bullshit. really good insight. And I applaud that. And that, I'll, I'll buy it. But it's, it, that is deep. That is a subtle as fucking subtle can be choice. Well, have you seen... Have you seen, I can't remember the name of it, but did you see uh, Scorsese's uh, Dylan documentary? I have not. No, it's on my list. See, this is the thing that's amazing about that documentary is it is part documentary and part complete fucking horseshit. Yeah. It's a joke on documentaries. It's one of the most amazing things because the guy who basically invented the live concert 
uh, film, yeah. which was Scorsese. Yeah. I mean, he basically invented the fucking thing. Um, it's his way of, because, and he's playing with Bob Dylan's sort of, the fact that that wasn't his name and that he was a character and this kind of thing. He plays with that. I think there is more, and if you've seen, you should watch the Dylan thing because yeah. it's actually quite fucking good, but it is kind of a fuck you to the audience if you're going in thinking you're going to see a Dylan documentary because mm-hmm. that's not what it is. Right. It's kind of a, it's kind of a punk on the audience and that's what, what why I loved it so much. Yeah. But if that's sort of where De Niro's go or where uh, Scorsese's going, I can see as the follow-up to that movie, him sort of including sort of very subtle, because the thing about it is mistakes are, are going to happen sure. in movies. Yeah. But to have that many really seriously, easily fixable mistakes. And yeah. And so, yeah, so easily fixable. So here, yeah. here's the other thing. And I, I'm going to try and explain my confusion around this. I'm going to try and explain this scene, not only to make a point, but also Maybe you can explain it to me because I, I, I rewound this. This is why I only got through one, only got it Cause the second view because I, I kept whatever, having yeah. to rewind it. And I'm like, all right, so this is after Hoffa goes to jail. Yeah. And uh, what's his face? Um, uh, fuck Frank and, and Russell. So De Niro yeah. and Pesci are talking yeah. about what Frank's upset about. And he's like, so they're, Fritz is now the acting president of the Teamsters Union. Uh-huh. And they're saying that everybody is getting whatever they want from Fritz. Fitz, not Fritz, sorry. Fitz, they're getting Fitz whatever Simmons, they want yeah. from Fitz. And De Niro's, Frank says, that's what you get when you go to college. Kind of like, this fucking Momo doesn't know what he's doing or how to do things because he's a fucking, you know, college boy, right? So that's, that's the dig. So everybody's getting what they want. And at the, as he's saying that in the voiceover, the scene is Fitz golfing with Tony Pro. Right. Okay. So then Frank and Russell are talking about it, and Frank says, or Russell says, "Yeah, we like we like Fitz though. It's that it's that Jew fuck Dorfman that <laughs> that's holding up loans that Fitz already, or that that Hoffa has Dorfman holding up loans that Fitz already approved." Yeah. Okay. So he says, "Send a fi- put a firecracker up Dorfman's ass. You can't do it to Fitz because the feds will look at you." That's when Frank goes and shoots up Dorfman's yeah, car. Yeah. So then, then Frank says, after that warning, everybody got what they want. So Fitz is okay. He's okaying the loans. Uh, Dorfman's Jimmy has Dorfman holding them up, but they like Fitz. Like I don't understand who's mad at what and why they're doing stuff, and why. Do, do you know what I'm like? It's, I know exactly what you're talking about. It totally makes sense. Okay. Well, basically, it's about the machinations of what Hoffa was doing and what Fitzsimmons did more. more. And and what the mob was trying to get. Okay. Well, this is what the mob did. Okay. This is what what happened with the mob in the union. And just just because I've read enough about this. Ultimately, you had, it was all about the pension. Right. It was all all of this. The pension was the bank. That, yeah, yeah, this billion dollar pension. This is all money that union, all union dues went into the pension. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what? And Hoffa started this, yeah, because he started the union. Hoffa started doing. We well, didn't start was, the union. No, but I mean, but, but he started yeah, this yeah. process. Was yeah. we get this huge pension? It's just money sitting. Yeah, it's not doing anything. Let's put it to work for us. So 
Well, it's sort of like Social Security, but it, and so basically, and I think that's where he got it. I think he got the idea from Social Security, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But he's got all this money sitting around. He's a powerful man. People are coming and saying, can I get a low interest loan? Because I can't get it from the bank or I can't get it from this. The low interest loan, you got all this money, I'll pay it back with some interest. And Hoffa, on record, we know this, Hoffa took kickbacks from that. He was keeping the interest for himself. Mm-hmm. But he get it paid back. Well, go to Goodfellas. Okay. Go to go back to Goodfellas. Okay. Yep. When uh, when Paulie gets brought in because Nikki's fucking with the guy's uh, restaurant, and he says, "Can you help me out? Can you help me out? Take a piece of it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Take a piece of it." So Paulie takes over, and then you have this whole montage of basically how Paulie says, fine, I'm going to take it over, but I'm going to destroy it. At the end of it, I'm going to burn it for the insurance money. Yeah. You know? And well, everybody was drinking for free. They didn't make any money on it because they were eating and exactly. drinking for free. So yeah. what the mob what the mob was doing with Fitz is Fitz, Fitzsimmons would, Hoffa would say, I'm going to give you a loan. I'm not going to give you a loan. Mm-hmm. He liked to play king. So he had this huge And they do show us that when they're talking about oh, building yeah. the sands. Yeah, they, exactly. We see that. this yeah. huge mountain of money and he liked the power of being able to say no to you, okay. yes to you, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Simmons just wanted to be liked. The mm-hmm. ki- I mean, the, the, I mean, he was just a really, just basically nice guy. And it wasn't that he was afraid of the mobsters, at least as far as I understand from reading the literature. One thing he was afraid, it's just that he liked. He was very social. Yeah. And so he, so he basically just, if you were a mobster and you came up and said, "Yeah, hey, I want to, you know, I gotta, can, can you give me a hundred thousand dollars to do this thing?" He was like, "Yeah," because you're okay. my buddy. Okay. We play golf, you know. And what was going on at the? We, so Hoff is now in, and it wasn't just. Uh, the fucking accountant. It wasn't the Dorfman. Jew accountant. Yeah. He, Dorfman wasn't hold, he wasn't the only one holding it up. What it was is that Hoff, Hoffa had delegates and delegation presidents that were putting pressure on Dorfman to hold up certain projects. Right, because that meant, the trustees of the pension fund yeah, had to pr- approve everything. Had to, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what was going on was that Fitz would go, yeah, 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 you can have it. You, Oh, you want to build a fucking bar? You want to take it and go piss it off on blow? Whatever. He was like, yeah. He's rubber stamping everybody's request. Yeah. But then it would go to committee, and the committee, it's not like the committee was, and it was Dorfman and all these delegates, it's not like they would say, no, you can't have it. it what it was is they were dragging their feet on it. The money had been approved by the by the president of the union, but the delegation was kind of putting the brakes on it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the mob was getting pissed off. They liked Fitzsimmons because he'd give them anything they wanted and really didn't ask for it back. That was like, they didn't have to pay Fitz back, which is why the delegations and Hoffman were like, yeah, we're going to put the brakes on this. It's not like they were suddenly not giving them money. It was it was making it harder for them to get the money. And yeah. the mob didn't like it. The mob did not like that, so they said, all right, go shoot his car up, make it get a message that if you keep putting the brakes on our fucking money, we're going to fucking blow you away. Well, one of the things Russell says is yeah. send a message to the, to the accountant, to Dorfman. Fitz will get the message. Put a firecracker up Dorfman's ass. Fitz will get the message. What's the yeah. message that Fitz is supposed to get? He's supposed to get that that while he's approving all this shit, they're holding up the money, and that's pissing him off. 
And so, so that Fitz, Fitz had needs to, to go, hey, guys, I'm your president. Move this shit along. Exactly. Fitz had to go, hey, you know, guys, I'm, okay. if I say, he had to go, he had to go to the rest of the delegation and say, listen, if I say they get it, they fucking get it and quit pissing around. That wasn't really his personality, but that's basically the message they had to send to Fitzsimmons was okay. like, you're, you're saying yes, they're saying no. Somebody has to be right and it better be you. So in a way, Frank had to go against his buddy Jimmy. That's Which exactly is the point of the whole do. story that he's yeah, getting. Yeah. Is- okay. All right. So thank you for explaining it. That makes perfect sense. I still think that might be a little sloppy in the film. It's a little clumsy. A little clumsy. Yeah. I got it. Um, All right, so do, would you recommend The Irishman? I would absolutely recommend The Irishman. I mean, it is... And I would, too. It's a it's a really good film. I mean, like we just discussed, it's got its little things, but <laughs> even if you get... Well, there is the... The, the de-aging, whole, de-aging thing, thing for, didn't work for never me. Never worked for me. It is easier It's easier to get past the second time around, at least. Okay, well, because you expect it. You know yeah. what to expect, yeah. Um, and the reason it doesn't work, as we've discussed, is they do a decent job... But you, they fuck his you, eyes up. They fuck his eyes up. But you also, and this is only with De Niro. I think it works fine with Pesci. I think it works. It's all right with Pesci, yeah. Um, but with De Niro, because he's more active, um, yeah. you can't. You can see he's an old man. You can see he's a 73, 74 year old and man. Also, yeah. And also, quite frankly, you know, De Niro's a fucking method actor in his own way. And, you know, if you know anything about the de aging sort of technologies, they basically have to act with little tiny plastic balls all over their face. Did they do that, or did they do it in post, and then no, just go through? The, no, the only way they do that is it's the Andy Circus thing. It's yeah. like it's the little dots all over their face, so that they can then go in and de age certain specific parts. Yeah, Andy Circus is brilliant at because that's what he's done. Yeah, De Niro's never done this shit before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and it, it's sort of like it was the same argument of why I think Brie Larson was terrible in Captain Marvel, is not because I think she's a terrible actor, because I actually think she's a really good actor. It's that she'd never acted against a mountain of green screen. Yeah, I mean, when you're acting against just nobody, it's hard. Just yeah, that's a really different kind of acting. Yeah, and until you really embrace it, you kind of look like you're fucking lost. And that's what I thought she did. And I think De Niro looked. I think De Niro looked a little bit like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So instead of doing anything, I'll just keep my face still because I don't know what all these balls are for. That and could I also think have that been t- the character. It might have been the character. Because he was a quiet, quiet giant. I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, that's what kind is, of the thing. But yeah, the de-aging thing, eh, whatever. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing is... <clears throat> It's uh, it's a read on the wall. It's it's in Wall Street Journal. It, the the headline is "The Irishman Review: Great Fellas" by Joe Morgenstern. This is the weirdest review I've read of this movie because it is so. There is so much praise for it. It feels fake. Like do, come a little on. over the top. It it reads like a like a press release or like uh, Morgan Stern is is hoping Scorsese will read it and then like come over to his house and offer him a blowjob. Like, oh, that was there a great go. story. Right. It's it's weird. So give it a go. Okay. Again, the Irishman review on Wall Street Journal. All right, my first thing is a listen. It's a podcast. It's on Player FM, and it is called Criterion Now. Um, what I like about it is that the Criterion collection has gone online and, and is streaming. You can you can order it, um, and yeah, you know, Criterion collection is is really sort of like the 
you know, the gold standard of like really genuine, like you love film. This is what you watch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they've got a couple, the only reason I popped onto it, I'd never even heard of it is that they've got a couple of episodes bef- long before the Irishman and just in anticipation of the Irishman really kind of doing retrospectives on Scorsese mm, and okay. It's it's it, I highly recommend. It's actually the the podcast itself is actually really good. It's called Criterion Now on Player FM. Criterion Now, okay. Yeah, as you as you look through your desk. No, I, I was I was looking for my notes on it, make sure I had it right. Criterion Now, go. okay. Um, all right, my second thing is watch The Irishman again. There you go. My second thing is watch Casino. Yeah, fuck God, I love that movie. It's such a fucking I good movie. I just love that movie. Yeah, yeah, so 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 much. Just watch Casino and watch The Irishman. There you go. In fact, if you're gonna do that, <coughs> fucking take three nights of your night, three nights of your week, and watch in order Goodfellas. Yeah. The next night, watch Casino, and then you know get tucked you know, tucked in because you got a long wait. <laughs> you got a long ride. And watch ride, The yeah. Irishman. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's like it's like. So for Goodfellas, what you're going to have is you're going to have some uh, you're going to have some very spicy ziti and some pizza and some fucking you know that's right. And then for Casino, you're gonna you're gonna back off the spice a little bit, you know, and you're gonna have some uh, you're gonna have some sausage, but not the spicy sauce, you know, that kind of thing. And then when you watch The Irishman, you're gonna have you're having Metamucil. baby food again. Yeah, yeah, Metamucil. All right, there you go. So that's the way that goes. All right, my last thing to do, it's another read. Uh, we're on theme here today. Read The the Lies of the Irishman by Bill, T- uh, if I could read my writing, Tonelli. Uh, it's on Slate, The Lies of the Irishman. It's just an interesting look at calling out the bullshit, potential yeah, bullshit of yeah. Frank Sheeran. Again, I don't care whether it's true or not for the movie, but you, it's fun to understand. It just, yeah, it's I a good look at how the mob stuff. works. Like, yeah. you're not supposed to know who fucking did this, so anybody yeah. could say they did it. Yeah, when and it's I'm done the right com- way. And my last thing is completely out of uh, the theme, but connected to what we talked about. Um, watch all the Star Wars movies in prep of uh, the last one, because it's yeah. surprising me as I'm doing it. It's surprising me how much depth there is, and unlike I think you know, it's like it's sort of like all of the connections in all the mob films, whether they were directed by the same person or not, you know, is, is very interesting. These movies were, they've, they've been retrofitted. They're supposed to connect. Yeah. Um, what I'm finding is the stuff that they did not intend to connect, or maybe weren't thinking about. Yeah. Has a lot more resonance just, and it's simple things. Like I got to tell you, it's like, there is something amazing about watching rogue one, and seeing them get that fucking Death Star plan, which is just this disc. Yeah. And, and it's a very specific, it's not even a round disc. It's a very specific kind of shape, right? Yeah. And then seeing it exactly that disc in A New Hope, which was made in 1970. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like there's something that connects those things in ways. And the one thing that I will tell you is when you watch A New Hope, when you watch the original Star Wars, yeah. you're going to do me a favor. When you get to the point of the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader mm-hmm. on the Death Star, which you will recall 
is not to the same level of saber lightsaber fights that it done in the prequels. No, it's like two it's old men fighting two, with canes. It's two. It's two old men. Two, two old men fighting with canes. When you get to that point, <laughs> I want you to pause the film. I want you to go to YouTube. I want you to type in Obi Wan versus Darth Vader remastered. And this is a fan film that basically says we're gonna make that fight as fucking badass as the fights in the prequels. And I am telling you, it fucking rocks. They got the music. There's a moment where where you see Obi-Wan's like, I'm going to let him cut me down. And you get to hear Ian McGregor saying, you would like a brother to me. You know I mean? This kind of thing from Vengeance. It is fucking awesome. All right. Yep. I just pulled it, it up. It is the perfect replacement for that scene. And it like and all the things that fucking Lucas like said, I'm going to digitally insert shit to make it more relevant. Yeah. This is the one he should have done. Yeah. I don't need Jabba the fucking hut floating around. <laughs> you and I don't stepped need on God. my tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't need a bunch of fucking like, uh, you know, like farting monsters right. that they ride on in the desert. This, I'm telling you, you watch that, and but not just watch it by itself. You got to watch it. It's like, I'm leading up to it. I'm leading up to it. Luke takes Leah. They they, they go across yeah. the bridge. You know, all the shit. Han's running after. Oh, see through. They're all waiting. Now they're getting ready to do the thing. They're almost coming up. They see the Millennium Falcon, and then it's, it's, it's Obi-Wan and Darth. And at that moment, pause the film and watch this, and then fast forward to the point where, to, and then fast forward to the point where okay. Luke goes, no, and yeah. starts shooting. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, because it is, this is the fight that, in your mind, when you were, when, when I was 11 years old. It's what it felt this like? This is, this is what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because now I watch it, and it's Alec Guinness, who's a very old man, and it's David Prowse. I think Prowse, he was only like 61 or something at the time, well, but, but yes. He, he, yeah. yeah, he's an older guy. He's not doing the fucking uh, Jim Cotta jumping around, no. you know? No, There's an old reference, Jim Cotta, anyway. Um, and David Prowse, who's just this big guy with all this fucking armor on. Yeah. I mean, he can't fucking see out of that mask and all that stuff. And they're just kind of going, kunk, kink, kunk. They're just kind of tapping. It's like fencing moves. You know You know what makes the original fight better? Is, is YouTube... Um, I don't know what it would be, but I've seen it. Is before they put in the special effects, so it's just oh, it it's just literally wooden sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they they fix they fix because yeah. there's a moment like when they turn the lightsabers on in the original movie. Yeah, it looks a little clunky. Yeah, you can see the special effect kind of motion. Ca- they fix that. Yeah, they add stuff like the facial where where I'm telling you. It's it's like all the shit you want. Like they're fighting, they're doing, and it's like the real fights. And then all of a sudden, Darth Vader starts force throwing shit at him. Nice. And there's a moment where he throws a fucking like this crate, this metal crate at Obi Wan, and Alec Guinness turns and just chops it and fucking. Don't tell me what happens. I want to experience this. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah. It's the best. It's just the fucking best. Is it, so. is it like Vader at the end of Rogue One? Like that yeah. kind of awesome? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, okay. It's like where you see Darth Vader, the David like, Prowse Darth Vader, all of a sudden like, like oh, this doing Darth Vader shit. Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's I believe that, you know, sort of like the, the broken legless body of Hayden Christensen somewhere in there. Right, right. Going, yeah, anger, right. rage. Yeah. It's fucking badass. Cool. So, yeah. All right, and that's there it. There you go. That's the show. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Rock and roll. 
You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>